Good afternoon, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get an insect update from John Gavlosky, entomologist with Manitoba Agriculture. Also, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler will talk about the Canadian Cattle Association officially rebranding last week. And up first in today's country comment, we'll be joined by Justine Cornelson with Brett Young Seeds. She'll give us a crop update. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Justine Cornelson with Brett Young Seeds to give us a crop update. We started talking about canola. We are starting to see some fields uh, start to bloom. Um, you know, it, it's obviously been a, a slow start to the spring, but but things are progressing. Um, you know, we we still do have a, um, a bulk of acres that are kind of sitting around that four to six leaf stage getting ready to bolt. Um, I imagine in the next week here, we're really going to see things start to turn yellow. Um, and with that, we've had some high humidity and um, some heat and a lot of rain. So there's going to be a fairly large risk for sclerotinia this year. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about, I guess, flea beetles. Um, we're kind of past that stage now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, with bulk of the acres moving out of that uh, susceptible feeding window, um, they should no longer be uh, much of an issue to that crop. Um, earlier this spring, right, lots um, lots were being sprayed because of the intense pressure, mainly due to the crop just having a really slow growth. Um, that crop kind of sat there for a few weeks and, and didn't really move, and, and that's where the flea beetles really took over. So um, that should be in the past now, and, and we're moving forward. Any other insect or disease concerns? Um, you know what, not hearing much on, on insect-wise here in, in Alba, um, hearing about some pretty intense ligus feeding happening out in Alberta. Um, so just as always being out scouting, out there identifying um, insect pests, um, you know, there's still pockets of grasshoppers. There should be enough grass for them to eat this year, but um, they might start uh, moving into some of our crops here. And uh, just uh, switching to some other crops, um, let's talk a little bit about, I guess, cereals, you know, how they're coming along. You know what, cereals are probably one of the um, better looking crops within the province. Um, lots of great looking wheat fields, barley fields, um, the, any of the, the fall cereals, you know, seeded last year, um, they've obviously got a lot of drowned out areas um, just due to a bunch of the overland flooding, um, but they are looking quite good. Um, very, very tall crops this year. Um, so hopefully they're starting to, to, to fill nicely. And um, yeah, like I said, they're, um, they're looking probably the best um, this year, just with lots of, um, you know, nutrient runoff and obviously lots of moisture. Um, looking at that top dressing and earlier on was really important, um, mainly because we've got a lot of that nitrogen moving down lower within the soil and it's not always there and accessible. We're also, uh, we're seeing the corn crop uh, coming along um, as well. How, how is that looking? Yeah, you know, corn acres um, within the province were, were reduced, um, just right kind of later seeding, a bit of a longer season crop, um, and really needs that heat unit. So um, the corn might be a, a pinch behind, um, but as they say, you know, kind of knee high at the beginning of July is what you're looking for. So, um, you know, we are seeing some decent looking crops. Same thing with, with um, well, pretty well all of our crops is just making sure that we got um, some of those timely uh, fertilizer applications in. You know, when we're noticing, you know, kind of areas that are yellowing, 
um, or, or that overall field just kind of has more of a yellow glow to it, um, right? We really want that vibrant dark green color within our corn. Um, so side dressing um, nitrogen earlier on um, would have should have been a pri- priority. And, and you know what, there might be some fields um, that might still be at that window to, to, to top them up with. And uh, soybeans, are we starting to see some flowering there? Um, not yet. Uh, they, they should be this week. Um, as of last week, most of the fields were not quite there yet. Um, many of them were kind of at that V4, so that fourth um, trifoliate stage. Um, so the flowers should be coming here soon. Um, with, you know, like I said, high moisture this year, we are seeing a lot of IDC starting to pop up in those low areas. Um, so something to just kind of make note of. Um, within your fields and if you are seeing um, some plants start to go from that just like I said just kind of make note of it there's not much we can do about it um, but yeah they're they are looking good and, and thriving in, in this high moisture but just be I guess be cautious on those those low-lying areas there might be some diseases start to pop up and how are the uh, forage crops looking <laughs> great this year <laughs> You know, we've, we've really had a, a boom. A lot of forages, even stuff that was seeded last fall, um, this spring with all the moisture really took off. Um, so the forage crops are, are really looking great. Um, lots of moisture. Hopefully this kind of looks like the week for hang. Um, I, I know lots of producers are trying to get that, that first cut off, and then some areas have. Um, but, you know, what? We've, we've had moisture, so things are sort of looking good. Um, we should see much better yields this year when it, when it comes to our, our forage crops. We've had sporadic uh, storms, I guess, across the province. Have you heard of any damage, any hail damage there? Or? Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, we have had um, lots of claims for hail. Um, I have storms a few weeks ago kind of moving through, um, you know, Dauphin area into the inner lakes. That, that was a wide or a, a severe storm with lots of hail. Um, at the earlier stages and in something like your canola or your soybeans, those crops can really bounce back from it. Yes, they're going to have damage. Um, if you look at your canola, it'll be really beaten up, lots of holes within the leaves. Um, so it doesn't look the greatest, but it is still able to kind of push through that and, and, and produce a high yielding crop in the end. And, and same with soybeans, you know, you can lose, um, a few of, of, of your leaves lower down and that, that crop can kind of compensate and grow through it and be okay. So um, in some of our other crops, uh, you know, it could be a little more damaging, but we're not quite at that really susceptible stage for hail. It's typically later on, um, you know, even now with the canola moving into bloom, um, when they start to lose um, the, the reproductive structure. So when you start losing pods and blooms and flowers, that's where you start to see a, a little bit more of a, a yield uh, a penalty on those crops. That was Justine Cornelson with Brett Young Seeds. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Clean Farms is changing its recycling drop-off locations in Manitoba, where producers take empty 23-liter and smaller plastic pesticide and fertilizer containers. The recycling collection system is gradually transitioning from sites at municipal transfer stations and landfill facilities to collecting empty egg jugs at Manitoba Agricultural Retail Operations. Here's Executive Director Barry Friesen. This is a move that uh, has been in play for for a long time. We've been planning for this, and uh, and in fact, it's been done since 2001 in Saskatchewan. So this is sort of a natural progression to, to for a couple of reasons. One is to give more access to the farmers for for them to be able to recycle their containers, but secondly, also to reduce the burden on municipalities that have, for years since the program began in 1989, uh, has been collected at municipalities. 
The transition to egg retailers is being phased in over three years. A pair of Manitobans will be going into the Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame this fall. One of those will be University of Manitoba researcher Dr. Digvir Jayaz. Here's Egg Hall of Fame President Ted Menzies. All of the investments in growing a crop are all tied up with the risk of storage, be it insects, be it too high moisture, being too hot when it's put in into storage. Those are real challenges that can jeopardize the entire year's production, therefore the entire year's income for a farmer. And so Mr. Jayas worked uh, for years on minimizing losses. The other inductee from Manitoba is Hashok Sarkar, who worked at SIGI. And the Canadian Crop Hail Association says storms in late June resulted in mostly light storm damage to young crops across western Canada with heavy rain in some areas. The storms occurred June 20th through to the 27th. CCHA member companies are investigating more than 1,200 claims of crop damage during the time period. Murray Bantle of Cooperative Hail Insurance Company said storms damaged cereal, oilseed and pulse crops in south and central Manitoba. He said Manitoba is slightly above the five-year average for claims in June. The average cost per claim is around the five-year average so far. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Egg Wire for Monday, July 11th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler will have details on the rebranding of the Canadian Cattle Association. Last week, the Canadian Cattlemen's Association officially rebranded with the organization now being known as the Canadian Cattle Association. Glenda Lee Allen Vossler talked with Tyler Fulton, an officer with the CCA, about the move. Tyler... Talk to us uh, about the new branding that we're seeing. Yeah, we're super excited to uh, to unveil, I guess, our new branding as part of uh, a really a, a big initiative that uh, that we are doing at a national level to accentuate really the communications on the environmental, um, the great environmental stories that uh, that happen on on beef cattle operations. Um, and so the, the name change and logo was kind of part of that process. And, um, and we think that it's, that it's really uh, it represent, it's better representative of the, um, of the organization as it sits today. As you reference, there's, there's more of a, an impact or more of an influence regarding the environment. Talk a little bit about more about that and the importance of that. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a critical thing. I think we've, as an industry, I think we've had difficulty making sure that the public um, has gotten that message um, and and that they hear the great uh, outcomes that happen um, as a result of having cattle on the landscape. Um, in fact, 35 million acres uh, across. Canada are um, are grazed on perennial grasslands, and and this is a, you know, a good chunk of it is a very um, at risk um, habitat for uh, for 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 species that are um, that are dwindling, and so that's one aspect. But the, another huge aspect of it is the fact that um, the, that 35 million acres is a massive carbon sink for. Uh, for carbon. Um, and so 
we just wanted to make sure that um, that our um, identity reflects that reality uh, that uh, that we all are living on uh, as as uh, cattle operators. I guess when we take a look at it, going from the Canadian Cattlemen's Association to the Canadian Cattle Association, not that big a change. We're trying to be, uh, I guess, more inclusive of the whole industry. Um, our association does not just include uh, ranchers and cow-calf operators. Um, it also includes, um, you know, backgrounders and um, and feed yards all the way across the country. And not everybody um, kind of identifies um, as as a cattleman. Um, and so, uh, I think that's that's mostly the motivation from from a kind of a foreign um, uh, perspective. We're maintaining that acronym uh, CCA because it really does still have some name recognition within the global beef industry, um, and of course with our with our local uh, producers here in Canada. Key message that you want to leave with producers uh, about the change. Yeah, I, I think um, this is really part of of an initiative to do a better job telling our story um and and if we do that if we're successful in in um passing on the great uh conservation and climate change related outcomes from the beef sector um then then we'll be more profitable in the long run and and you know more sustainable so that's the that's the end goal, and um, and we're excited to be uh, to be making these changes today. Final thoughts, key comments. No, I appreciate the opportunity. It's um, I, I just really excited about about the change, and uh, and I'm really hoping they can generate some some interest uh, in some of those urban centers where we can uh, where we can pass on those great stories. For people that maybe uh, want to check out the new logo and a, a little bit more about the the new name and the new branding, where can we yeah, go? You can, you can you can visit our new website at uh, cattle.ca. That's Tyler Fulton, an officer with the Canadian Cattle Association. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Our annual Farmer Appreciation Lunch is back at the Plum Coulee Park tomorrow from 11.30 until 1.00. Enter to win a Meridian Grain Max 2300 hopper bottom bin and more, including concrete from Mid-City Ready Mix for the bin pad, rebar and lumber for the bad forms from Parkside Home Building Centre, and bin pad prep work and finishing provided by the Concrete Edge. Sponsors this year include LMS, Hensall Co-op, Sun Valley Co-op, and North Country Feeds. The Roland 4-H Museum is open throughout July and August, hours are 1 to 4 p.m., Call 204-343-2061 for appointments or for more information. 
Seeds Canada is hosting its annual meeting this week at the RBC Convention Centre in Winnipeg. The Manitoba Organic Alliance is hosting two farm tours, one today and another on July 15th. Visit the MOA website for details or to register. The Manitoba Stampede and Exhibition takes place July 22nd to the 24th in Morris. And the Canadian Semental Association is holding its annual meeting July 23rd in Portage La Prairie. Details at semental.com. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon. Joining us now is provincial entomologist John Gavlowski to give us an insect update. He talked about grasshoppers. So there's areas of the province where levels are quite high, and it does vary. Even within a region, things vary quite a bit. Some people are saying levels aren't economical and not too bad. Others, they're really keeping an eye on some of the higher levels. I think in some areas, the rain may have helped out a little bit uh, when the hatch was happening uh, some of them might have got killed off, but overall, I think populations are uh, still quite strong. So there's definitely economical populations out there, so we're just encouraging people to scout your fields. There, There is certainly some edge spraying going on, and even some full field spraying in cases. Last week's report uh, talked about um, pea aphids. Um, you know, what, what have people been seeing with those? Yes, so uh, pea aphids... First of all, um, just a bit of background. Um, with uh, pea aphid, they will be um, moving into peas. Uh, usually when uh, it, things get into the early flowering stage, we start uh, encouraging people to scout your peas, uh, get to know the populations. Why they're an issue is because uh, when they feed on the young developing pods, they can cause very direct damage to the seeds. So really, it's a seed development issue, so you have to protect those young pods. But the scouting we encourage during the flowering stage of the peas. So now's a good time to be out scouting your peas. And you can either use a sweep net or just uh, have a look at the tips of some of your pea plants. There are some populations that we consider to be economical, meaning they're above our economic threshold, uh, which if you're using the sweep net, it's about 9 to 12 aphids per sweep. So if you're doing 10 sweeps, that would be 90 to 120 aphids, or about 2 to 3 aphids per plant tip on average. Talk to us about um, barley thrips. Um, What kind of numbers are we seeing with those? Okay, so barley thrips, um, uh, as the name would imply, they like barley, and you need to be scouting the barley in the very early heading stages for barley thrip. That's when they can cause their damage. And in fact, once the barley is fully headed out, um, you've missed your opportunity, really. That's, um, they're not really doing economic damage anymore. So early heading stage, good time to sample. Um, they have a rasping mouth part. They kind of uh, rasp at the plant tissue, make it um, bleed at sap, and then they feed on the juice. And the the, the uh, economic levels really depend on the value of your barley. So we have this formula that we provide that takes into account the cost of control, um, the expected dollar value of your barley, and then we divide it by 0.4, which is the the yield loss that they can uh, cause and it it's generally working out to about three to four barley thrips per uh, head that you sample, 
what we encourage people to do, often the barley thrips are underneath the leaf sheath, so uh, and it's usually the upper two leaves. So peel back the leaf sheath on the upper two leaves, look under that, count barley thrips. If you're getting any more than three to four per stem that you're doing that on, that could be an economic population. But again, do the economic threshold calculation to figure it out. Any other insects to worry about at this point? Or? Uh, those are the main ones that um, are causing any kind of economic damage. Now, the other one that people are calling in a lot about is blister beetles. Um, and they're an insect with a good side to them. Some of the species, their larvae eat nothing but grasshopper eggs. And because we've had lots of grasshoppers around, there's lots of blister beetles around this year. Um, it gets people concerned because they will also feed in crops. Usually they're very patchy, uh, so they like to aggregate, congregate in an area. They normally don't cause economic damage, but for people who have small research trials and field plots, when they get loaded up with them, it can be um, sometimes a little bit unnerving. And if you are growing faba beans, they really li- there's a couple species that really like faba beans. So I've uh, had some people with um, either garden uh, faba beans or research trials concerned about the levels of blister beetles they were seeing. That was provincial entomologist John Gavlosky. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Two of the four inductees going into the Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame this fall are from Manitoba. One of those will be Ashok Sarkar, who worked at SIGI. Here's Ag Hall of Fame President Ted Menzies. Mr. Sarkar uh, was employed at SIGI, but that wasn't his first place of employment. He worked at uh, mills throughout the world before settling at the Canadian International Grains Institute. And his work was all about building on the quality of Canadian grain. And I think we've all heard the importance of the high quality of Canadian grain purchased by many countries to actually bring up the quality of what what they can afford. The other inductee from Manitoba is University of Manitoba researcher Dr. Digvir Jayas. And Manitoba farmers will need to change their plans for recycling empty 23-liter and smaller plastic pesticide and fertilizer containers. Clean Farms is gradually transitioning from sites at municipal transfer stations and landfill facilities to collecting empty egg jugs at Manitoba Agricultural Retail Operations. Here's Executive Director Barry Friesen. We're not doing it overnight. It's a three-year transition. We asked farmers you know, go to our website and look where, where the locations are. And the long term uh, is that we, we feel and we know through the experience in Saskatchewan and other parts of the country is that uh, return to retail for, for these types of materials works best for the farmer. Friesen noted that collecting small egg pesticide and fertilizer containers at egg retailers makes recycling the empty containers more convenient for producers. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email the farm desk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll get a crop disease update from David Kaminsky with Manitoba Agriculture. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon.
Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.